Jesus said, Let the children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. If the kingdom of heaven requires that we come unto Christ as honest and vulnerable as children, then shouldn't we be doing our best to make sure that our children are healthy emotionally and spiritually? But how do we do that? How do we raise spiritually strong children who are also aware of the importance of their mental health? And what are the signs that a child may be experiencing mental challenges? Today on the No Worries Podcast, Pash Bankhead talks about her own mental health journey that began when she was only nine years old. What goes into having a diagnosis? How do you get to that? I had to go see a counselor when I was a kid for um, some things. I dealt with a lot of self-harm. And so that's why I initially went to a counselor, and my counselor recommended that me and my mom go to a psychiatrist. And then the psychiatrist gave me the diagnosis for depression when I was a kid. Okay. By, and by kid, around what age? Um, I was eight. It brings up a couple of more questions. Number one, how did your mom respond to that? And how did you respond to that being told you're depressed? Could you get your head around it? No. I think when you're a kid, like, it just feels like something's wrong with you. Like, I knew something was wrong because... um. I couldn't tell you what made me have the urge to do that as a kid. Um, But I just, it got to a point where I felt like I needed it. And then it got to a point where I couldn't stop doing it. And And it, you mean? Like cutting myself. Okay. And so when I realized, oh, I'm having a problem with this. I can't not do this. And it hurts. That's when I like went to the library, I looked it up, and then I wrote my mom. At eight? You looked at it up at eight? I did. I was like, these are my symptoms. There's something wrong here. (laughs) What what are the options? I was like, this is not right. And so I looked it up at the library, and I wrote my mom a letter, and that's how I gave it to her. Like, I think something's wrong. Like, I need help. Oh, wow. And she was just like, I think just blown away. I don't think she really knew how to respond. I don't really remember everything that she said. I just know the next day we were going to a right. doctor. Psychi- the or, next day. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. we were She's just, incredible. she was like, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Probably Ooh. in part being overwhelmed. <laughs> and, I, and I can only imagine as a parent, you don't encounter that. So you don't really good of her um, to just go, this is, this is out of my expertise yeah. as a parent. And prayerfully, she didn't think I'm failing as a parent. Did you guys ever talk about that? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know how she felt about it. I just know she was very, like, adamant about me getting the help that I needed. It was always kind of like this underlying conversation between us. Like, she was always kind of checking on me. Like, if I had a scratch or something, like, she was like, are we okay? Like, Oh, wow. You know, yeah. so it was kind of like this this thing between us. She just always wanted to make me make sure I was okay. She never made me feel bad about it. Right. Um, because I was able to kind of to stop. So she, and I think she knew that and respected that, but I think still was just kind of worried, like didn't want to miss signs because when I was a kid, I don't know that she would really notice that mm-hmm. I was coming around with all these like cuts and yeah. scratches. My mom worked third shift. My sister was 21 years older than me and she had a kid I think I just kind of felt like on the outskirts and when I was hurt like my mom would stop what she would do was doing put like neosporin on my yeah. on my 
cut and like give me a band-aid and be like oh no like are you okay yeah and i think that was a big thing for me so for some of them i would like do it and then right. i would go show her or tell her really was the nurturing part of it i get the attention from mom i get to be cared for i get to know that i'm seen and i matter is that part of it or was it or was there kind of a release from yeah. the actual cutting itself or was it both yeah it was both i definitely okay. felt a release I just also noticed on top of the release that uh, when I had a cut or something that I could go tell her she would stop what she was doing. Um, but I it definitely stemmed from not really understanding what I was doing, but understanding relief from it, not really being able to say or know why I felt like that was the only way for something to right. come out or to make me feel better. But for whatever reason, it did. That outweighed the pain of doing it. Ah, okay. So, like, yeah, it hurt, and I would, like, close my eyes or whatever before. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, I just felt better. I was eight, so it's a hard place to be Yeah, so that's Yeah, so that's my other part. But, but before I get to that, because I think we probably should just talk about kids and how do we deal with that, and even from a church standpoint. But I also wonder, if I'm correct, your mother had her own challenges, right? Mm -hmm. Did she, was she aware of hers before yours, or... Did that kind of spur her into, you know what, I need to look after myself? I think she was aware. I don't know if it was, you know, as young as eight. I feel like she had been through a lot and was aware right. um, that there were some challenges. But she didn't have a diagnosis at that point. Not that I know of. I do know that, like, obviously we did have a depression, like anxiety also, because she would talk to me about that. Even when I was five, she would always tell me, like, you're just like me. And I really am just like her. And we both have, we even then, like, our mental illnesses match. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, very much like her. And she, I think she could just see me feeling anxious. And I think that's really a big part of where, like, her teaching me how to have a relationship with God really played a big role because before I even self-harming or anything like that, when I was nervous or something, especially for school, it was hard for me to go to school because I didn't want to be away from her. And she would just be like, well, whenever you get nervous, you just whisper like Jesus under your breath. And you oh, just wow. keep saying that over mm -hmm. and over and I promise you it'll get better. And so I, that's literally how I got through kindergarten. Oh, wow. <laughs> in the like corner, Jesus, Jesus, kid, Jesus, like, Jesus. <laughs> it was really helpful for me to have that and mm. to know that's what she did. It made me feel connected Next to thing, her yeah. and it made me feel safe. So that was a big thing for me. So I feel like she knew based on her experiences and what she saw in me that I was probably going to have some okay. of the same thing. Something. I don't think she ever expected the self-harm. All right. That's, that's really interesting. I am uh, so proud of her because typically as parents, when we see whatever we consider a weakness or a flaw in ourselves, in our children, we overcompensate and we come down on them and we will rarely say the reason why I'm amped up about this is because I see it in myself. I know how it's harmed me and I don't want that to happen for you. Her response was just so beautiful in that she was like, I'm going to get help. Even if I've never gotten help for myself, I'm going to get help for her. I think we've talked about this a little bit before. Your family growing up wasn't overly religious. Y'all weren't in church every night. Yeah, right? we weren't, I guess, more traditional. Like, we didn't go to church every Sunday. Like yeah. I, To the holidays, maybe? 
Mm-mm. Not even Easter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, yeah. We get there when we, we get did, there. Yeah, we we just weren't a part of a church. I right. think my mom was in the earlier years of my life, and mm-hmm. something happened, and she was just like, mm-hmm. "Okay, yeah." And so we just, it was always just the four of us. You yeah. know, we didn't have a church family. We didn't go to church. Okay. So let me ask: as a child growing up, and then so you've got this diagnosis, and I can only imagine at at eight, if somebody told me I was depressed. I would probably thought Charlie Brown. I would not have realized that this is a real thing as much as having a physical illness, right? So I guess my question is, did it help or was it a hindrance? Like as you went on in life, at, you know, at 9, 10, middle school, in the back of your mind, is it like I remember uh, this is the depression talking, this I'm not really, or was it like a stigma? Because at the time you would have been coming up, People were still using phrases like crazy. So how did you reconcile that? I mean, I don't think at eight that I really understood. I remember going to to see people and talking with them about how I was feeling and stuff. But I don't think I came away from those conversations as a child thinking that I was getting help. I just really felt like there was something wrong with me. So I had a lot of shame for a really long time. You know, even after I was in middle school and I had kind of really stopped self-harming still had scars all over my arms and so like for for I was probably say from when I was like 12 to 14 had this blue jean jacket and I would not go anywhere without that jacket like it could be really July and I so you were like trying to cover your arms yeah I would not I would not take it off I just grew up with a lot of shame not and I just felt different and bad were there moments when kids asked you about them? They, they mm-hmm. see them. What would you say? I'd just make something up, like yeah. my yeah. uncle has a cat or <laughs> fell yeah. on a tree. I wasn't. It was not something I was like telling. I don't think I got to a place where I could like tell someone else until I was in high school. And even some of the people I, you know, told like I told one of my friends on the phone, and she like hung up on me. She was like, "Whoa, really? Yeah." She was like, okay. "That's too much." And it, I mean, it's a lot. I don't want it to seem like I've always been like this. This never phased me or whatever. That I've never felt ashamed because um, I did for a really, really long time. People's reactions did not change. Just my understanding of myself changed. Having gone through that, one of the phrases I use is, "There's purpose in the pain." I guess my first question is. Knowing this and going through this, plus you got therapy on a regular basis, how do you think it made you better? Um, I think therapy was where I was able to just forgive myself. Because I was so young, I didn't have the cognition to differentiate between this is a behavior that's connected to an emotion and all this other, like I couldn't see that, like I just knew something was wrong. And I just felt like something was wrong with me. And I feel like going to therapy really helped me to be able to learn that it was something I did, but like there was a reason behind it. And just to have someone constantly reminding me like, you're not a bad person, nothing wrong with you. Like we all have struggles. And to just remind me of the good things that I did. You know, you went and you figured out what was wrong and you wrote it out and you told your mom, you you found a way to get help. So like, highlighting that part of me that's still fighting to, for the good um, to help me be able to differentiate between that and what I conceived as bad. So how do you measure your progress? Because I'm sitting here thinking if somebody had a physical illness 
for a lot of things, there's treatment and you get past it and you can say, I no longer have acid reflux and get through it through the treatment. I don't guess there's ever a place where I'm not depressed anymore. What's been the benchmarks for you to go? I'm, I'm better. Or is it back in the roller coaster kind of thing? I'm just curious how you look at it. I don't know what doctors think, but. Um, I guess for me personally, I've been in therapy for a long time. Right. And so I feel like the benchmarks have changed. Like when I was a kid, like just even recognizing like what was going on, like that this was helpful, like who this lady was in my life, like why am I here? And like being okay with that was kind of like my like, you know, like, okay, like I'm not bad even understanding the good things that I was doing was really big for my mental health. And then obviously with the self-harm, just like being able to notice urges and not respond at a young age, that was a big thing for me because that was my main thing. So that was a big sign for me of progress, but that didn't happen until I was in middle school. Wow. I don't think it's, you know, obviously you want progress, but it's not linear and you know it takes time even when I was in high school there were times where I did it you know not frequently but I did it you know Mm -hmm. I feel like you just have to look at who you were when you started I feel like awareness is a big thing I mean you being aware that okay this is happening okay yeah I feel like awareness has really been my benchmark for progress Mm -hmm. like the things that I'm aware of the emotions that I'm aware of the the dynamics of relationships I have, patterns. I'm more aware of that than I was three, four years ago. Because I'm more aware of that, I'm not as, um, it's not, a, it's, it's not as hard for me to communicate my emotions. It's not as hard for me to remind myself that I didn't do anything wrong in this situation. Um, it's not as hard for me to remind myself that I'm going to be okay. Right. So, you know, my, my initial reaction as I'm sitting here thinking about this, cause I, I, you know, so proud of you as I, but unfortunately mental illness isn't like where somebody can go, I'm two years sober and celebrate. I really wish we could celebrate. And, and, and I think if we can normalize therapy and mental wellness and the practices behind it, that maybe we could get to a point where there wouldn't be such a stigma and we could go, I'm celebrating this amount of time of not hurting myself or would that not be good to celebrate? I think. And how do you celebrate? How have you celebrated your progress? I think it just depends on the person. Like if that, if you want to share that, then you share it. I have gotten some like, Oh wow, that's great. And like, Oh, you're crazy. (laughs) Like, Like I have gotten both reaction so it's really I think how you celebrate your progress is it really depends on you but you know the reaction from other people doesn't diminish your progress right so it's just like it's what you want to do so if I tell everyone and everyone's like no one asked you that good for you the rest of us haven't done that ever like like, people can react like that but that doesn't diminish what i've done right right you know um, but that's a great that's a great point because typically celebrations are are for things that in common right and 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 that's why you know when when 
when my friends who are sober say I've been sober for this long, I don't really know what to do. I don't know what to do to acknowledge you other than say, good job. But I wish there was something. I wish there was more design around that. And again, that have to come from normalizing. We'd have to be in such a good place in our in our country uh, in our world where someone could go, I no longer do this, or I don't hear voices anymore, and we could just embrace them and celebrate them. But there's such a hard battle that it deserves that. I mean, it really deserves yeah. that because a lot of times our celebrations are dealing with external forces, mm-hmm. which is okay, you know, but to, but when the enemy's within and, and you overcome it, man, that's that's big. Now, a few seconds ago, I asked you if it if it made you better, and I was I was trying to get you to brag on yourself, but you don't do that. Oh. So, and I just I just <laughs> I just think about I just think about um, your path, and I can just rattle off a thousand things that I see that the way you've you you've turned uh, some tragedy into treasure, and because you're, you're insightful and you're patient. Um, um, you're 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 loving to that real point of uh unconditionality if that's the word and so i think all these things come out of this awareness that you developed because i would imagine that uh the dealing with the pain of kids going ooh what's wrong with you is the same or similar pain as a kid who isn't as attractive uh so you would I, or and i don't want to assume it what were you more sensitive or were you like, as a kid, I got my own problems. You don't have to deal with that on your own. No, I was very like, um, just like, uh, it's hard to just, I feel like I, I was, I didn't, I don't know that I, I just felt like I internalized it for myself. Mm-hmm. Like I just felt bad right. and I felt good when I was around people or I, you know, I was, you know, a teacher's pet. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I really loved helping people, interacting with people. Like, I loved having fun. And I wasn't, you know, I was, well, I was not, I won't say, I don't know if you can say, like, you were a popular kid. But, like, I went to a lot of birthday parties. Okay. Like, I, I socialized. I had fun. I went to my friend's house, you know, houses. I did lots of those things. But, you know, it was really just, like, me being at home, yeah. me being in my room me feeling bad and not no understanding any of that okay. and i think the hard thing with kids is like they they really don't know they, i mean they have their intuition to say like something's wrong or they will show you through their actions right um but it's really hard it was really hard to have to go through that at such a young age especially when nobody else mm-hmm. i don't know that i i met anyone else that even talked about self-harm until I was in my 20s. Wow. Um, And that was really through me, like, volunteering with this organization that, like, helped other kids that were struggling with self-harm. I don't, I never had really met. So uh, let me get this clear. So when you were, how do you, how big do you think your high school was? How many students do you think? Uh, I think, like, my senior class was, like, four or five. Four or five hundred. I mean, okay. It was a so, decent, so yeah, decent sized yeah. school. And you're saying that you had never met another kid, or nobody ever talked about it. But statistically, there had to be. Yeah. Wow. And probably in a school of that size, I would probably say at least fifty or a hundred. 
in some way kind of self-harming. And so, I don't know, like, they may have had a hoodie, you know, instead of a blue jean jacket. I don't. Yeah. So, we just, that wasn't something we talked about. Yeah. Um, It really was not something anyone ever made me feel comfortable about talking about. It was just like, if I want, if I feel the need to talk about it, then I was going to. Right. Okay. So kind of as we close out a couple of things, I want to encourage parents to know that if your child is dealing with this, that um, don't, don't internalize it. Don't necessarily make yourself at fault. It's funny. I think about, and I'll, I'll be preaching about this next week. I think about, and I probably mentioned this on another episode, but the the story of the demonic boy and the father said, help. Uh, he, Jesus said, anything is possible if you believe. But he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And what a lot of people don't understand about that is the father was saying, uh, I believe, but he said my unbelief, which he meant help me to stop blaming myself is really what he was saying. They were arguing if the boy was born like this or if the boy was just evil or something. And the father was going, it's my fault, though. It's my fault. And he's saying, I, I, my son deserves better, but I did this to him somehow. I don't even know how. And, and Jesus was trying to get him to understand, you've got to not believe in all of this negativity and all this blame that you're putting on yourself. And Jesus was saying, believe in me and believe that he's worthy of help and you're worthy of help too. So for the parents to be encouraged because your child can, can end up as well balanced and as sweet and and smart as, as this young lady I'm talking to. But I, I do ask if you could just tell, just give two or three things that, maybe parents should do or shouldn't do if they recognize that their child is struggling emotionally, what would you say? And actually your mom is great. So you could probably just use her example. I would just say like, you know, and this is just in general, but I think we don't pay attention enough to like being dismissive of a child's feelings. Even if that's like, so-and-so didn't want to sit with me at lunch today and I'm sad or they're crying and you're just, and you're like with good intentions, you're like, you don't need, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't need to sit with them anyway. You're fine. Right. No, you're, you're strong. You're cute. You're adorable. You're beautiful. You're all these things. And the affirmations are good, but what they need in that moment is for you to acknowledge what they're feeling and that dismissiveness, even though it's not, it doesn't come with bad intentions over time them not to trust their feelings. And that's sometimes where, where trauma can start. So I feel like, you know, the biggest thing is just to, like, listen to them. You know, if they're saying I'm sad or whatever, just... Really validate it. And, yeah, and just, just validate. Like, yeah. that's okay. Like, I'm so sorry. I know that you really like so-and-so, and I'm sure it was really hard or it hurt your feelings that they didn't want to sit with you today. Right. I don't know what was going on with them, but I'm sorry you had to deal with that. Do you want to go watch this TV show or whatever? Because well, it's their it's their truth. And yeah. Yeah, because I get what you're saying. If I go, oh, you know, they're wrong or whatever, um, then the kid kind of thinks, well, it doesn't matter what I feel. They're telling me to overlook it. And I feel like we have those same feelings as adults. If you come mm-hmm. to me and say, I'm struggling with this or I was really excited to go speak at this place. And then these people were just not happy to see me. 
you know, they weren't helpful when I was trying to get there and all this stuff. Oh, well, your purpose is bigger than those people anyway. Mm. You're a star. <laughs> you can do this. <laughs> right. You just get up there. You show them who's boss and then right. you leave them in the dust. But what you're telling me is that that maybe hurt your feelings yeah. and made you not feel um, like welcomed in that space, which may not have made you feel safe, which could have caused some anxiety. And that's what you want from me. Is right. to just validate that. I wonder if they both can be true. Can you feel that and still go on, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it's just like we all have moments. Like- I've tried to tell people over the years, like, that what you're feeling, let it wash over you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's real. And when you're ready, move on. Right? They will. Children are very resilient. Aren't they're they? Very strong. They're, they're they're better, I think, so they than adults. Can yes, they yeah. are very strong, and so once they have their moment, you know, you can like a kid. I've seen a kid like like smack their head on a table. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. Like there should be a dent, <laughs> you know, and they just pop up. You know, they cry and they scream, and then they're just like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That Even is. Even if they hit their head on that table more than once, like they. That is very, very resilient. That is very true. And I know there's a number of scientific reasons. I remember uh, as being an educator, you know, serotonin levels and all of these things. Kids have an abundance of it. That's why they can be in a total meltdown one moment and uh, over something that happened on the playground and be best friends with that person the next moment. And so kids really do have that resiliency. So perhaps as parents, we ought to give them more credit and say they can handle this. We can talk about what's going on with them. And and they'll be all right. They'll yeah. they'll process it in their way, but they'll be okay. It won't totally destroy them instead of just sheltering them all the time. Yeah, and I would also say like if like obviously I don't have kids, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna put that out there. This is just my experience mm-hmm. growing up with but you my were parents. A kid, so I that was counts. a kid. <laughs> well, go ahead. But I think the other thing is like as an adult, I understand a lot of my mom's reactions uh, more because of my mental health and all mm-hmm. the things that scare me as an adult. And and sometimes it really is like I just I don't know how to deal with that. Right. Or like it triggers something in you. And right. like if that happens, like that is okay. Like it's not that doesn't mean something's wrong with you or anything like that. Um you know, and that could be why you're dismissive and not, and you don't know that. Right. But it, there's just so much into it. But at the end of the day, it's just like, I'm sure there's so many parents out here that love their kids so much and want to do whatever for them. And that, like doing that, just that love is, is so powerful. So even if there's one day, sometimes my mom was mean to me and I would cry but I knew my mom loved me. Right. And she would let me have my moment. I knew if I needed something, she would get that for me. I knew she would protect me. And so mm. if they have those things, I think that everything else will fall into place. So if you're doing those things as a parent, then praise yourself yeah. in that. Because there's no, there's no perfect way yeah, to do and this. And you don't know. Like, right. If I have kids, like obviously I don't want them to struggle with mental health. Yeah. illness you know if they do then we'll work through it but i also don't know like how that's going to affect them it might not be the same as me so i just you just have to love them just as the children in the bible were taken up into jesus's arms so should our children today it's interesting that the bible hides jesus's growth from age 13 to 30. perhaps god was trying to show us that even the child of the most high deserved to be protected If your child has experienced emotional difficulties, they deserve both prayer and professional support. 
If you are struggling to find a mental health professional that you trust or lack the resources to get assistance, we are here to help. Contact us at info at As always, the No Worries team is doing our best to present a podcast about the importance of both mental and spiritual wellness. We are a small team, but we are faithfully making every effort to be a blessing to you. So please leave us a review because that's the measure of success of podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, do reach out to us at info at a greater work. God bless. And remember, through the love of Christ, we have no work.